This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Carlson, Carlson, världens bästa Carlson. Carlson, Carlson, hoj här kommer Carlson. Carlson, Carlson, ingen faktiskt, ingen annan Carlson vill jag så bra som mig. Carlson, Carlson, Carlson scores! Carlson, Carlson, Welcome everybody to another episode of the Keeping Carlson Fantasy Hockey Podcast, the longest running fantasy hockey podcast in the world, hosted by two guys who have been talking about Pius Suter ever since like Labor Day. I'm your host, Elon Dubrovsky, and with me this week, not my regular co-host, Brian Com. He is a bit under the weather, taking a sick day, but instead we've got a ringer for you. You know him from Dauber Hockey, and this past year he's jumped into the hockey podcasting fray with the aptly named Steve Laidlaw Podcast, and I actually joined... Uh, episode of the Steve Laidlaw podcast to redraft the 2008 NHL draft and stump for Eric Carlson over Steven Stamkos as the best player in the draft. His name, of course, as you guessed from the name of the podcast, Steve Laidlaw. Thanks for joining us, Steve. Hey, it's it's my pleasure, Elon. We like to uh, we like to pass the puck back and forth uh, from time to time. And uh, it's, it's my turn to share it. So uh, happy to be here. Yeah, I really appreciate it. I knew when, when Brian's away, I, I need to bring in someone who I know I could just throw a ton of players at and know that they'll have great takes on all of them. And you are always up for the job. I already messed up, actually, because I just learned today I should, that Pius Suter, that's not actually how you pronounce his name. Apparently, it's Pew or Pew, like, and like the S at the end is silent. I just learned that today when seeing highlights from this hat trick that he had. So that's lesson one from uh, Keeping Carlson today. This is all news to me. <laughs> Pew. I think. So I guess, yeah, it's like a French name with a silent S. So there you go. All right. <laughs> pew, pew, pew. Okay, so we've got a <laughs> really fun show coming, a lot to break down, including, of course, a very big trade. Before we get to it, let's, of course, mention that we are presented by DauberHockey.com, top fantasy hockey website in the world. Great articles every day, every once in a while, even from Steve himself. Plus, I love the tools over at Frozen Tools to help me prepare the show and plan my fantasy leagues. Like, I love the real-time line combos. Everything about it's awesome. So, Dauber Hockey, Frozen Tools, make sure to check it out. But okay, let's get going and dig into this wild trade that happened last week. The Columbus Blue Jackets had a disgruntled center. The Winnipeg Jets had a disgruntled winger. They said, let's make a deal. And now Pierre-Luc Dubois has been traded to the Winnipeg Jets with a 2022 third round pick in exchange for Patrick Laine and Jack Roslovic. And then Roslovic signed a contract afterwards for two years, around $2 million per year. So everyone's happy now. Uh, let's start on the Jets to break down this trade. We're going to have to wait two weeks for Dubois to quarantine before making his debut, I believe. Uh, Dubois has hovered around a 60-point pace for the last couple of seasons, but showed a glimpse of more upside. He put up 10 points in 10 games in the playoffs last summer. Now he goes from the line-juggling jackets to likely a stable situation on the Jets. I'd imagine he's going to be centering the second line. Uh, 
on Saturday, the Jets had Shifley, Wheeler, Connor as the top line, then Stasny, Ehlers, and Andrew Kopp on the second line. So got to imagine the two options are Dubois bumps Stasny to center the third line, and then Andrew Kopp. That would be great for him because he gets to hold that line two spot and play with Dubois and Ehlers. And Kopp, by the way, two goals on Saturday. So good for him and could be a good short-term had. Uh, or I guess the other option is Stasny stays on the second line and maybe jumps to the wing. I don't know. Maybe Dubois jumps to the wing himself. Uh, then, of course, on the power play, a line spot has been taken by Stasny with Liney out recently because of course uh, Nikolai Ehlers is destined to never get a sniff of the top power play the Jets just have don't have that in their future at all it seems uh, but Liney scored a power play goal from power play two on Saturday for what it's worth anyways so perhaps Stasny holds that spot or maybe it's an obvious uh, placeholder for Pierre-Luc Dubois uh, so this is all speculation of course and we have a long time to wait but Steve how do you see the Jets lines and power play shaking out when Dubois arrives I, th- I think the the line changes that that top line is almost certainly going to stick together and then where Dubois ends up shaking out I think it's a really good spot for him if he's paired up with Ehlers we already saw him team up with a, a Danish winger and Oliver Bjorkstrand in Columbus that worked pretty well Ehlers is like supercharged version of that these guys are two fantastic transition players Dubois has he has this reputation of being really good defensively, but he's, you look at the analytics and his offense actually shines a little bit more. So they've got really enviable depth at the center position now. And I think that sets up the jets to be a little bit more higher scoring. And I think it's a really good spot for Dubois, just going to the Canadian division and getting out of the central division where there's some big defensive teams. He's not going to get to beat up on Chicago or Detroit, but he is going to get to beat up on Ottawa, as we saw last night. That's uh, that's a team that could be beat up on. So, and but the, the power play is, is really what everyone cares about. And I, I got to be honest, I don't know how this thing all shakes out for them because, as you mentioned, Ehlers, he's never going to sniff that top power play unit. Um, but with Line A out of the lineup, they've completely inverted how they're running things. So now Shifley is on the left wall where Line A was playing, but they're having him play with the puck a little bit more. And they've moved Kyle Connor over to where Blake Wheeler was. And they've got him setting up as the shooter on that line instead of being the net front guy. And now Wheeler is playing below the goal line as kind of a net front guy. And they had Stasny in the bumper. So is Dubois going to step in as a bumper guy? Or are they going to put him on power play two? and try to juice that unit a little bit more and keep Stasny with his veteran savvy and and quick thinking on that top power play unit. It's going to be really interesting, but the unit's completely flipped on its axis, quite literally. And so how it all shakes out is going to be, it's going to be really intriguing going forward. The only thing you can really bank on, Kyle Connor, Blake Wheeler, Mark Shifley, Everything else is kind of in limbo. Yeah, you're right, because another big impact of Line A being injured is they've switched things up, and Josh Morrissey has been on the top power play instead of Neil Pionk, and uh, that has obviously sent Neil Pionk uh, fantasy managers into a bit of a tizzy. Uh, And yeah, Stasny did well. He scored a power play goal yesterday from that 
like spot that like you were saying in the, in the slot and it was like seemed like they had things set up really well of course it's against Ottawa so I don't want to read too much into it but yeah I guess that's going to make the difference between if Dubois is like he'll still be great like Nikolai Ehlers still gets a ton of points even though he's not on the top power play but obviously his fantasy upside is somewhat capped but Dubois was capped before just from being on Columbus so maybe it all evens out and Dubois fantasy value stays kind of the same or like the upside could be really huge if he does get on that top power play and yeah speaking of those defensemen like uh do you think that Josh Morrissey because he's still not rostered in like a lot of fantasy leagues he's still got a lot of leagues on Yahoo where he's available for people to add him we've been getting questions over the week of like should I add Morrissey also people asking if they should drop Neil Pionk like Pionk was so great on the top power play last year but if, if you remember going into last season it was supposed to be Josh Morrissey's job so now he's getting another crack at it uh Morrissey had two assists versus the Sens on Tuesday but those are his only points of the season and no power play points so far so do you think that Morrissey holds that job and gets that extra fantasy value or do you think maybe that can change or is it just like your last answer which is it's really hard to predict what's going to happen with the Jets with the Jets power play especially with a new piece coming in it's it's really hard to predict but uh reading on Twitter Corey Snader he's the, the one of the the tracking project the zone entries and exits and all that stuff and he had some phenomenal info out on Twitter today about where the passes came from on all of line A's power play goals during his time in Winnipeg. And basically last season, the cross seam pass from Wheeler to line A evaporated. I think they got one goal out of it all of last season. And there was some speculation that this probably because they lost Dustin Bufflin and his big shot on the point drawing that gravity towards him and opening up that seam pass. Whereas Pionk just not, not a shot threat at all. Right. And like, it's, I don't know. It's, it's this funny dichotomy because you don't want your defenseman shooting. That's like the worst shot that you can have. But at the same time, if you don't have a shot threat on the point, then it reduces everything else because everything collapses in on itself and you're just passing the puck around the top and you're not generating anything. Whereas you can really open things up with that shot threat. And so like, is it Morrissey? Is he a shot threat? I don't know. I think that this team is still looking for who that guy is going to be long-term. Could it be Vili Hainola? Maybe not this year, but like I'm, I'm sure people would love to see it. I, I don't know. This team, they're still thin on defense, and I think they're crying out to find an option, kind of the way that the Calgary Flames, Mark Giordano started washing up last season, and so they go out at the deadline and trade for Eric Gustafson, and he was awesome for them for like a half minute until the season ended, right? right? And so this is a team that could really benefit from that type of addition. Just like give them a spark plug, give them something different. But are like are they just too thin on defense in general to have a guy who's just a third pairing power play specialist or are they the exact team that needs that type of thing cuz they really don't have anything else? Well, I know that the Florida Panthers have a power play specialist that they're currently trying to unload. I wonder if something couldn't work out there. But yeah, yeah, Keith Yandel's definitely waving his no-move clause to go to Winnipeg. That's <laughs> happening. I guess that's true. Well, hey, if they're going to threaten to ruin his Iron Man streak, I don't know. It seems like they maybe have some leverage over him. Uh, but yeah, I feel kind of bad for the people who reached for Neil Pionk in drafts this year, assuming they were going to get the same as last year, like this top power play guy who also gets great peripherals. Uh, not a sure thing right now. He's off right now. I'd hold on if I had him. 
uh, especially since he is helping you in those peripheral categories, but it is a bit of a bummer that you lost that guarantee. We'll see how Morrissey does over the next little while, and probably things will all get shaken up once Dubois arrives. Uh, and like I said, Andrew Kopp is the guy for your super deep leagues. Take a look at him because he scored two goals yesterday, and if he's going to stick on that second line... Uh, well, you still have to wait two weeks anyway. So even regardless, add him now for those two weeks if he's available. Get him with Ehlers and Stasny. They had a good game yesterday against the Sens. And like you said, this Canadian division, it seems like there could be lots of goals scored. So you want anyone in an offensive situation on the Jets. Yeah, just just one last thing on Pionk. Like if we're talking buy, sell, hold, trade, all that stuff, like it's all dependent on what's available, right? We're going to talk about some defensemen who are under-owned, right? Yeah. And if you could swap Pionk for an under-owned guy who's in a huge opportunity spot, like Rasmus Anderson, who has claimed that top power play spot in Calgary, then you go and do that. But like if you're doing it to chase some third pairing defense, like if you're doing it to go chase Eric Gustafson, who had a couple of points in the opening week of the season, but is kind of crappy and not playing on the top power play in Philly, then maybe you don't do that. So it's all dependent on what you're chasing. So interesting, right? Because I think if Brian was here, he'd say that you drafted Pionk high and Anderson was a late pick. I'm talking about Rasmus Anderson. Uh, so maybe you like don't want to pull the trigger on that so quickly. Maybe you want to let things stabilize a little bit longer. But you're saying, and I think I might lean to you. I don't want to speak for Brian. Maybe he he would be totally on team Anderson over team Pionk. No, we're but... throwing Brian under the bus here. That's what we're doing. <laughs> That sounds like fun. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> I think especially in a shortened season, I don't think you have time to have too much patience. Like, Rasmus Anderson just got his fourth point in his fourth game today, another power play assist. So, yeah, I think uh, at this point, <laughs> it's crazy to say, but I think if you can swap Pionk for Rasmus Anderson, maybe you do it. Rasmus Anderson, the number one scoring Rasmus defenseman in the NHL right now, and that's not what a lot of people would have predicted going into the season. And we'll talk about another one that's struggling a little bit later on. But let's cover the Columbus. I, th- I think Ristolainen's giving him a run for his money. I'm not going to lie. I believe they were tied. Like, you know, Ristolainen got a couple points to get him to three points on the season in quite a few more games. But then Rasmus Anderson is now up to four with that assist. But yeah, it could be close. I hope that Dalene is going to give both of them a run for their money. That's what should happen. Elon, the Rasmus rankings are like they change minute to minute. This uh, it's, it's really hard to keep up with them. Yeah, it's true. Are there any more? I think for tonight, we're good. Like, I think that this episode's going to come out tomorrow morning and nothing will have changed. So not, nothing will be out of date, as opposed to like a bunch of other players we're about to talk about, because we're recording this on Sunday at 7pm. And there's about to be a huge slate of games, which the reason why we record Keeping Carlson on Sunday night, and not on Saturday night is we want to give you up to date news going into your new week. Usually Sunday is a slow night, but not this week. So hopefully most of the things you hear on this episode won't be out of date. Uh, but yeah, I want to cover the Columbus side of this trade. And then as you can hear, I, we're bursting at the seams of other players players we want to talk about uh but yeah columbus uh so line should be able to play in a week apparently he's healthy from his injury and that's all it'll take for him to go to the states and do whatever uh quarantine that's required uh and good luck to us right trying to predict how the lines will shake out on columbus especially since like whatever we say they're likely to change a few times before stabilizing if at all so we can just try to guess what's going to happen but tortorella always keeps us on our toes uh let's start on the power play there so clearly line a becomes the trigger man of this power play that's been terrible for a while now they were the 27 seventh ranked power play last year on one hand you could go man this sucks for Patrick Laine right he goes from such a good power play to a really terrible one but of course if you want to look at it more glass half full you can say well Laine is going to help turn this thing around because they have some talented players right like I'm imagining a power play of like Laine Bjorkstrand uh, Atkinson maybe throw in one of their centers I don't know Domi or something and then like um, 
Seth Jones or Wawrenski or maybe have both D there. Like, th- these are talented players. You'd think they should be able to have a good five-on-four team, uh, at least in theory. So we'll have to see how Line A uh, fits with the rest of them. But... You know, I gotta say, I'm the one thing that I think I'm happy about is I have Seth Jones on one of my fantasy teams, and he's been kind of struggling this season. So I'm hoping that the power play gets stronger because of Line, and that's going to help someone like Seth Jones maybe get more power play points. Uh, but yeah, do you think that it's a situation where Line could help turn this power play around enough to not only keep up his production, but also help others like my poor Seth Jones, who had a sad empty net assist and in the last game? That's all he has for the season. Like, is is Line that good, or is it going to be more like a Phil Kessel situation? We were hoping, you know, he'd go to Arizona. Arizona and turn that power play around, but instead they just dragged him down with the rest of the team. Well, it's worth pointing out with Kessel, he was hurt all of last season and he was playing through it because that's what these guys who have Ironman streaks do. And there was a bit of, I guess, consternation about that because they kind of wanted him to sit out because he wasn't helping. And so you look at what Kessel's done this year and he's, I mean, random variants and and whatnot, but I think he's already up to four goals on the year. And so he started off hot and you can see how an injury could take down a guy who that's their only one skill. Okay. Fair enough. I like analogies, even if they don't perfectly fit. (laughs) Yeah. So to throw another one at you, what is the power of a shooter to a power play? Like we talked about the gravity effects of having a point shot versus not to open up that seam. And I'm going to use the Florida Panthers as an analogy here. Their power play was absolutely terrible until Mike Hoffman showed up. And then they've got this shooter and suddenly they've got someone to feed. And now everything's opening up off of that. And they've got one of the best power plays in the league for a couple of years. And so far they've played the Chicago Blackhawks. So their power play hasn't really taken a hit this season, but remains to be seen what that power play is going to look like this year. So line A goes to Columbus. What is the power of a shooter? How much is the gravity and how much of what he can offer that power play? How much is that going to mean for them? Because we're not certain that it's just the power of a single shooter that drives a power play. Like I think, I think it sets a certain floor for that power play. I don't think they could be as terrible as they've been since that half season with Sam Gagne at the bumper that oh, yeah. they were that they were awesome at. They've been terrible since then. Like literally January first of that season, it stopped working and it hasn't worked since. So it's going to be better than that because of Line A, I would assume. But like. Is he the plutonium in their flux capacitor? Is he giving yeah. them 1.21 gigawatts worth of power play explosion? I don't know. I don't know if they're going to fly back in time to the 1970s Montreal Canadiens power play. I, I don't know if they're hitting those levels. I really don't. So the opportunity is there, but like I, I think this kind of it doesn't help Line A's cause because they had a well-oiled machine there in Winnipeg. And he could play on the second line and get cushier deployments. So it could help some other guys there. His gravity is going to help open some things up, but I don't know that this is going to vault him to that next level that, uh, that he seemed to be wanting out of his time in Winnipeg. 
Yeah, well, lucky for him, at least he's a free agent at the end of this season, so maybe he'll have an opportunity to try something else if it doesn't work out. But yeah, like I think people who have Patrick Laine on their fantasy teams are just even hoping for him to stay the same and not get like brought down into the bog that is the Columbus Blue Jackets offensive abilities. Uh, so maybe it's possible that he can help jumpstart that power play and keep his production at least where it was, but might be tough. Obviously not the best spot for him uh, for offense. We'll see how it goes in terms of like better chance of going far in the playoffs. Uh, if you look at even strength, it becomes really hard to predict, right? Like all of a sudden Columbus becomes the new Minnesota Wild where we have to like struggle to figure out who the number one center is going to be. You'd think like by name value, it would seem like Max Domi should be the guy, right? Like he is the one who came in in the offseason. He's the one who's a former 70 point player. Uh, you would think he should be the one to get Liney as a winger and maybe turn a disappointing start to his season around. He only has two assists in six games. Obviously getting Patrick Liney as a winger could only help. Uh, but so far Domi's averaging under 15 minutes of time on ice per game seems like Tortorella is not the biggest fan at least so far so yeah I was actually planning on calling Domi a snoozer on the show like before the trade I was going to be asking Brian or yourself like should people just be dropping Domi I guess now you hold on because Line could come in and maybe turn things around but I'd be a little bit concerned or I think like, people are like all of a sudden like you know doing a victory lap being like oh I knew Max Domi was going to be great and now that he's getting Line things are going to be awesome but I'm I don't know I'm not so sure I'm, I'm actually kind of excited about someone like Alexandre Texier, who at 21 years old, he was centering Bjorkstan and Jenner on Saturday. He's been seeing over 18 and a half minutes per game with Dubois out of the lineup. He's up to five points in six games now, all at even strength. And all of a sudden, like regardless of where Line slots in, I think Texier now has got himself cementing like a lot of ice time and potentially a number one center role in terms of deployment. So I'm curious to get your take on like Domi and if he could turn things around if he gets line A. And then also if you concur that Texier is someone that people should really be looking to add to their fantasy teams because all of a sudden there's no one else that Tortorella could turn to for like a high ice time centerman. Well, it's Tortorella, right? So Domi is not going to be getting the 20 minutes a night, number one centerman treatment. It's not going to happen because that's not the type of player that he is. But Tortorella, like he, he kind of knows what you are. Like you remember when they had Sonny Milano and he's like, look, Sonny Milano, he's got to play in the offensive zone and play on the power play. If we're going to use him." like he understands what you are and what, what you can offer. It's just Sonny Milano, like ultimately couldn't, hack it like he's he seems like he's one of those tweeners now we'll see what he turns into in anaheim but as far as domi goes like that's a higher caliber player and he's the best playmaker on the roster so one would presume power play one he's going to get a chance to make those passes to line a across the seam but we'll see what shakes out because if he doesn't click they're going to be looking for other options and the bottom line is he's not going to be playing 20 minutes a night for Tortorella. So it's going to be other guys who are getting those minutes. It's going to be other guys closing the games when they have a lead, shooting on the empty net. It's it's not going to be Domi and it's probably not going to be Line A. So concerns about the minutes opportunity for those guys. And it could, it could just be another one of those Blue Jackets teams where there's not one point per game type player on the roster. And the closest thing to it's probably Bjorkstrand. Yeah, I hear you. And Bjorkstrand's been playing with Texier. So, yeah, I think uh, this could be bad for Line A, right? If he's on a line with Domi and then they're, like, not used as much, then you're going to really have to hope that the power play is where he can feast. Uh, yeah, the Elon Dubrovsky pick of the week for me, Alexander Texier. Like, I was already into him before, and now with Dubois out of the picture, I think for, regardless of where Line A slots in, I just like the fact that now Texier is going to get, like, this top center deployment. 
Uh, so, okay, there's been a lot of cold players on Columbus that we've brought up, like Domi, uh, Jones, and Wierenski haven't done much. Actually, Cam Atkinson is a guy who I'm a bit concerned about, and maybe Lina even pushes him down the lineup. So, uh, but, uh, maybe before I move forward, like, are you okay with giving the advice to people that, in at least in shallower leagues, like it's time that to let Cam Atkinson go if if you find someone appealing in free agency? Yeah, again, it's it's all about what what's out there, what's not, but of course, like. Yeah. Atkinson was not a guy that I was investing in and he's going to give you a ton of shots. And I mean, this, this team's in for an attitude adjustment, right? Like they basically, they basically sleepwalked through the start of the season because their number one center was pulling a sulk fest and Mm -hmm. they sure looked like a crappy team. And then their number one centerman gets traded and suddenly they're given Tampa Bay lightning all they can handle in a matinee game and took them to the cleaners. So I think we're going back to old Columbus Blue Jackets where they're going to be super difficult to play against. And I think that could help a lot of these guys, but like they're not going to be getting into a lot of seven, six games. So yeah, that's going to hurt your offense a little bit. Yeah, I think uh, Atkinson had that really good 40-goal season when he was playing with Panarin, and since then it's been a bit disappointing, and I don't see things changing this season. Okay, so I've got some other cold players I want to run by you. And yeah, later on in the show, we'll talk about some guys that maybe might be available for people to add as free agents, and so then we can compare them with them then. But first of all, I just want to get your like level of panic. Like, If you had this person on your fantasy team, are you like freaking out, or are you like, don't even worry about it? And I've got to start in Vancouver... I, I'm pretty sure you're not going to say to drop this guy, but in general, by the way, the Canucks uh, not having a great start to the season, right? They lost 5-2 to the Habs on Saturday. Their record is now 2-5 on the year, and one reason for them struggling out of the gate has got to be due to their superstar center, Elias Pettersson, looking in need of a tune-up. Like, his goal yesterday was his first of the season, bringing him to only two points in seven games. This is a guy who put up 66 points in 68 games last season. That's an 80-point pace, and then he had 18 points in 17 playoff games. I was salivating. We all were like... Like, expecting, like, what can he do now, like, as he gets a year older? And so far, it's a whole lot of nothing. And sure, you can make the excuse that he lost JT Miller for a couple of games while he was in COVID protocol, but Miller's been back for four games now. Miller's been doing just fine, by the way. Four assists in those four games, uh, three of those on the power play. But Pedersen not scoring any of those goals that Miller's been assisting on. It's mostly been Bo Horvat taking those Miller passes and popping them in the net. So what is your take on Pedersen at this point, Steve? Like, are you still, well, I shouldn't say you, but like, should we still be expecting whatever we were expecting going into the season and just write this off as a cold stretch? Or is there some reason for concern that you're seeing? Well, he's at this point in his career where he's trying to make that leap from star to I can carry a team superstar. And he was close to doing it for a lot of last season. And he, it seems like he's trying to do even more than that this season. And the Canucks probably need it because they're even thinner than they were last season. And they don't have the goaltending to lean on. So now suddenly, huge saves that were being made and the game's transitioning back the other way or shots are being made that completely miss the net and now the game's transitioning back the other way. They're ending up in the back of their net. And so now they're having to start back from square one, trying to generate offense instead of counterattacking super aggressively. Like we saw in the Vegas series, it was just Vegas basically hammering on a nail for seven games and Vancouver being like, ah, you tried too hard to hammer that nail. And then, and then, and then counterattacking them for a brief chance. And that was the only way that they could generate offense. And I think that this season we're seeing an even thinner team, 
a team that's not as good defensively and their goaltending frankly stinks and the result of that is they're getting into a lot of fire wagon hockey which should help his point totals eventually but like it's not going off to the same degree that you would have hoped and i thought we might see but progression isn't always linear for players but like panic level no like he'll he'll still be in or out of point per game by the end of the season okay so if there are people in your fantasy league that are at the panic level maybe now's a good time to reach out with an offer because i'm with you probably like he should be able to get back to a point per game there in that high scoring division and like you say i guess if the canucks do have to play more of a run and gun game because they don't have a good defensive system that like you said like it makes perfect sense it should be good for their offense so the like bo horvat's doing just fine you got to imagine Pedersen should be able to get back on track just like him but man this team in general uh minus markstrom now and like you said the goaltending hasn't been good like at this point i don't know in fantasy you know like generally you want to have a goalie on a team that's getting more games and it seems like Braden holpe is the starter uh, he's played four games demko's played three and i imagine holpe's gonna get the next start on monday i guess we'll have to wait and find out but both of them have been bad anyway so it doesn't even matter like holpe has an 888 save percentage at this point demko at 866 I wonder if people, unless it's like a super deep league where like all the goalies are rostered, it might be time to just drop your Canucks goalies and grab an extra skater because I don't know if these guys are going to help you that much. It doesn't sound like you're too optimistic that the Canucks are going to turn this around and be one of the top teams in the North Division. No, I mean, going into this season, it was basically Toronto, Montreal, and then a morass in the middle for me and it looks like calgary is emerging from that but then everyone else kind of it looks like they stink and maybe maybe the jets will be a little bit better after this trade they've they've won so far so they're they're in the driver's seat very early on but in in terms of the canucks goaltending like the defense isn't getting any better and the team depth isn't getting any better and holby looked like he was cooked two years ago and he's he's only older and in a worse system. So, you know, I'm I'm a believer in Demko, but not for this year. I just I think the situation's rough. There's a reason that I had these guys ranked. So it was one of the lowest tandems I had ranked in my preseason rankings. And I'm notoriously bad with goalies, so like don't go over the moon for this type of stuff. But it's it's not a team I'd be investing in for goaltending. Yeah, so far you're going to take a W for that prediction and we'll see how it goes moving forward. But yeah, I think I'd be ready to... I have Holtby actually on my Keeping Carlson Ultimate Patron Fantasy League team and I don't think he's going to last a lot longer. Like, the Canucks have a good schedule next week. They're playing the Sens a couple times on Monday and Wednesday and those are days where like those are the only teams playing pretty much. So for fantasy purposes, you want to hold on to your Canucks just because you're going to be able to play them as opposed to other players on your fantasy team that you know are playing on Tuesday and Thursday and will be on your bench because those days are so busy. So that's why I'm also holding on to Nils Hawk Glander, even though he hasn't done very much aside from his goal yesterday assisted by the red hot uh, Bo Horvat. Uh, but yeah, after Wednesday, might be time to just get rid of all your Canucks if you're not seeing any signs of anything changing. Uh, let's take a quick break and then we'll be back to talk about another slumping player who is causing people to tear their hair out a little bit. Like any good team, hiring the right employees for your front office is just as important as recruiting the best players for the game. That's why you need Indeed. Indeed is the job site that makes hiring as easy as one, two, three. Post, screen, and interview all on Indeed. Get your quality shortlist of candidates whose resumes on Indeed match your job description faster. Only pay for the candidates that meet must-have qualifications and schedule and complete video interviews in your Indeed dashboard. 
According to Talent Nest, Indeed delivers four times more hires than all other job sites combined. Get started right now with a free $75 sponsored job credit to upgrade your job post at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Get a $75 credit at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Offer valid through June 30th. Terms and conditions apply. This episode of Keeping Carlson is brought to you in part by our friends over at Underdog. Underdog is the cool new place to play fantasy hockey for money and other sports. But of course, fantasy hockey is where the real fun is at. And clearly you like fantasy hockey since you're listening to this podcast, so you need to check out Underdog. They've got everything. They've got some really cool formats. You could play daily fantasy snake drafts. Drafting, it's the best, right? But we only get to do it once a year. Not with Underdog. You can go in and do a draft every single day and compete against other people for the players playing that day. Try to draft the best team they also have another thing that's really cool called pick em, where they have a, just a, like a bunch of props that you could go over or under for them like i'm looking to, i'm recording this right now on sunday before the night slate of games you could bet like Sidney crosby 2.5 shots is it going to be over or under malkin 0.5 assists is it gonna be over or under and you can just kind of pick each one and then it makes it a little more fun to watch the games the more you get right the more you win so it's really a blast the team behind undertog is most of the same team that built and sold draft.com which is something we talked about on the show a few years ago we had a lot of fun with that and right now we're having a lot of fun with underdog they started underdog nine months ago and have investments from mark cuban how about that okay so look up underdog fantasy in your app store or go to underdogfantasy.com after you make your first deposit enter our code carlson to support the show and with our code they'll honor a money back guarantee which means you're gonna love underdog during your first month or they'll refund you up to a hundred dollars what they're just so confident and i've tried it it's fun so i'm confident as well you're gonna love it so again underdogfantasy.com use that promo code carlson and good luck have fun Another guy who's had a shockingly slow start to the season. I think I'm almost more shocked about this guy than Elias Pettersson is Rasmus Dahlin, that bottom-ranked Rasmus. Well, I guess there's some other Rasmuses. There's like Rasmus Sandin. That, but I mean, you can't go much lower than zero points, which is what Rasmus Dahlin is at for the uh, now... I guess they just won today, right? So uh, the two, three, and one Buffalo Sabres, uh, they beat the Washington Capitals, the extremely shorthanded Washington Capitals in overtime uh, earlier this afternoon before our recording. Uh, but yeah, another pointless game for Mr. Dahlin. And like, shame on me, of course. I thought the Sabres were going to finally be good this year because I think that every year, right? But like, I was like, oh, Mark's been looking really good. Like, Dahlin is now like no longer a teenager. Like, they got Taylor Hall in there. Like, this is going to click and be so amazing. And like, Dahlin... Like I said, like he has no points and also his ice time has been shrinking. Like he had 24 minutes and 20 seconds in the season opener back to like 10 minutes a couple games ago where he was benched for a lot of the second period uh, or I should say most of the remainder of the game. And now today I'm just bringing up the data now and Dalin played... Okay, looks like a bit of a bounce back, actually. 22 minutes and 47 seconds. So that's what I like to see. And six shots on goal. So, okay, already we're starting to th- see things turn around. But yeah, what's your take on Rasmus Dahlin? Is he the kind of guy that you have to be worried about going into his third season? Or is this like primo time to reach out and get him on the cheap from a uh, Dahlin owner in your fantasy league? Because this is a top power play guy that with, that has a first overall draft pick pedigree, is on a power play with Taylor Hall and Jack Eichel. Like, how could this not be working out? So there's, I I feel like you asked a couple of different questions there. And the first one being, is Rasmus Dahlin what we think he is? And the second one being, is it time to reach out and try to acquire him? And I'll answer the second one first, because like, 
I really hate the buy low question because it's not what the player's doing that sets the market on whether to buy low. It's what the people in your league and how your league operates with trades and and that player specific owner that determines whether or not that's going to happen. So with a player like Darlene, he might just not be available or he might only be available because he has zero points in his first two weeks of playing. And so buy low, is it really buy low? It's just, you can buy, right? Mm -hmm. Whereas with a lower level player, then maybe you might actually be able to buy low. But with a guy like Dali, like we, like he has the pedigree, he has the minutes, he has all these things. And yeah, he gets benched because he gives a lackluster effort on a goal against doesn't clear out the front of the net. And these are the type of hiccups that young players, especially young defensemen are going to have, especially on a team that still isn't complete. Their goalies kind of stink. Like pretty sure Tim Murray is licking his lips at those goaltenders and their depth still isn't that great. Like they, they got a first line center or sorry, a a first line winger in Taylor hall and a second line center in Eric Stahl and their depth is still kind of shitty. So this team is, is going to be in the minus in the league's toughest division. And so he's going to rack up minuses and that's going to hurt your fantasy team. And that's going to be annoying. And he's still going to get those top unit power play minutes. Right. So eventually the points are going to come. We, there, there's so much talent there, right? They've got great shooters. They've got super smart player in and super talented player in Taylor Hall playing the, the freaking bumper position. And they've got Jack Eichel distributing it all around. And Darlene's going to get his points from the top. So I, I don't think it's going to go bananas the way that we want it to. This is not a Quinn Hughes, Kale McCarr type situation because he's not necessarily playing on that kind of team in this kind of division this year. Like I already had this debate with Cam Robinson on our awards uh, preview show where he, he thought, eh, maybe, maybe sleeper on Dolly. I don't think this is the year because I don't think they're in the division and I don't think they quite have the depth for him to explode the way that we want him to, but like it, it's coming. And just, just in terms of pure points, like Dolly's points are coming. So it, it's like, uh, I have him in one league and I'm I'm kind of annoyed, but I'm not sweating it. It's just like, if you're in a league with bangers and mash and all that stuff, like he's not going to give you anything but points. So like, he's going to be super annoying to own, but at the same time, like the points are going to be there. Right. Yeah. So you obviously have to take into account your league categories and good on you for calling me out. Like, don't let me just ask you if he's a buy low. I got to be specific. Like, for example, uh, if you had the other Rasmus Anderson that we brought up, like, I think that's the kind of move that you can see potentially happening in like a one year redraft league. Like if someone has Rasmus Anderson, I'll bet you they could reach out to the Darlene owner. And depending how frustrated they are, maybe you could get them to click accept. Maybe you have to wait one more pointless game. But it sounds like you're saying like you're not too concerned about the points coming. And I, I, I would make that move. I have Rasmus Anderson, like I said, in one of my leagues. So uh, if the Darlene owner wants to reach out to me, uh, I'll take that deal. But uh, like, I also do appreciate that you're saying that the division is something people really need to take into account. This is a tough division this year. So it'll make it a little bit harder for Darlene to get up to those Makar and Hughes points. So uh, fair point. Uh, By the way, good on Linus Allmark for winning his first game of the season today after tragically losing his father earlier in the week. I saw a lot of people... Uh, asking if they should be like dropping Allmark after he, you know, like missed a game, whatever it was, because he had this like family emergency to deal with. Uh, so if anyone did drop Linus Allmark, I would grab him. I think he's the only good goalie on the team. And even if Buffalo is not going to be like amazing this year, it's hard to sometimes find a starting goalie. So 
I'll throw that advice out there. And then I'll just make a uh, quick statement about Buffalo. It's not even a question, but Jack Eichel and Taylor Hall, they're very good. I'm very, uh, I feel like they're, uh, th- this is not a hot take at all. But man, uh, Taylor Hall and Jack Eichel are looking good together so far, at least offensively. Uh, okay, so I actually had another defenseman I was going to bring up to you who was on a cold streak, but I think we can just wipe this one out and move on because Morgan Riley had only one goal and no assist going into today's game versus the Flames, but uh, the Leafs won 3-2 to two this afternoon, and Morgan Riley assisted on all three of the goals. So I guess that uh, by-low window, which I guess is a saying you don't like, but that window's closed anyways. Uh, Morgan Riley now almost up to a point per game. That's what happens with the small sample size of the season. All you need is one good game to get you right back up there in the standings so uh, i'm gonna scratch that scroll down forget about everything i was gonna ask about morgan riley i knew the answer was gonna be he's gonna be fine he's the top power play quarterback and big minute eater on this high scoring team in a high scoring division so but uh, we gotta say it on the podcast it's 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 like in home alone easy on the pepsi fuller like you know what's gonna happen right (laughs) <laughs> yeah sometimes i have to ask a question just to make sure it's said on the show even if it's like obvious and not even worth discussing uh one thing maybe worth discussing is the leafs lines with joe thornton now out of the picture uh so now they get to go to a bit of a more normal top six more of what we were expecting going into the year uh Tavares back with hyman and william nylander today and then marner and matthews are together playing with jimmy vc who's still holding on to that top six spot that's definitely not something i had on my bingo card going into the season but vc is not like capitalizing at all on this opportunity only has two goals in seven games now so uh, it's one of these players who like somehow is in a good spot but isn't going to be getting a lot of points uh very great for zach hyman though who had a bit of a slow start in the bottom six but now he's gotten points in his last few games and he also was great in your bangers and mash leagues so uh obviously if he's still available i'm rushing to grab him it might be too late for that advice though yeah i mean with hyman it's it's a matter of when not if right because like how, how how long was how long were they actually going to stick with the with the Joe Thornton plan on the top line? Like eventually it, it comes to nitty gritty time and you got to win some battles in the corners. And Zach Hyman's like a dog with a bone. So um, yeah, I, I think I think you're more likely going to see him playing top line than Joe Thornton come say playoff time. Right, yeah. Thornton's injured now, so theoretically when, if he comes back, he could bump Hyman back down, but seems like Hyman and Tavares have some chemistry, which is something we already knew, so I was surprised that it didn't happen earlier, like just going into the year, but now he's there and it's going well. Another yeah. win for the Leafs today. Guys like Hyman have chemistry with, like, every best player, because, like I said, he's like a dog with a bone. He's gonna go get you the puck, and you know what stars like? Is guys who get the puck and then give them the puck. And so I feel like that's a situation that's going to work pretty well for them. So yeah, he might get bounced back down when Thornton's healthy again, but like it, it's an inevitability. It's going to happen. Another guy who seems to always get to play with superstar players is Dominic Simone over on the Calgary Flames. Uh, today, he was lining up with Goudreau and Monaghan on their, I guess, I don't know, top line, second line, whatever, in the top six on that good line. Like previously, we saw him playing with Crosby over in Pittsburgh, and he didn't do much there. And in this uh, first opportunity on that line today for the Flames, he didn't do much at all. No shots, no points. If anyone streamed him in, hoping to get some good juju playing with Goudreau and Monaghan. Uh, you didn't get anything. So uh, unlike Zach Hyman, I, I'm not going to be recommending Dominic Simone, even though he's getting pretty plum deployment. I assume you are with me on this one. Yeah, let's let's call him a homeless man's Zach Hyman. Yeah, okay. <laughs> 
even lower than a poor man. <laughs> That's a shame. Uh, all right, let's go to more slumping players because I want to get all the sad stuff out of the way and then we can end the show on like more happier note. But a lot of people were super excited to draft the 2021st overall pick Alexis Lafreniere in their redraft leagues this year. I'm sure that people were very happy and probably are still happy that they got him in their dynasty leagues. But in one year leagues, I saw Alexis Lafreniere going like a lot higher than I expected him to go. I guess we've seen some really good rookies over the past couple of years, though generally they've been players who weren't this young you know had a year in the minors first and so far the pick hasn't paid off at all Lafreniere is still searching for his first point uh he's playing tonight versus the Penguins as we're recording has this game started yet the joys of uh recording while news is happening the Rangers are up one nothing and uh Colin Blackwell from Brett Howden and Adam Fox so Adam Fox the only noteworthy player there man what a season for Adam Fox okay we'll get that sounds about right (laughs) <laughs> let's focus on Lafreniere though uh, you can't complain about his deployment he got bumped up to play with Zibanejad and Kreider lately uh, like is this the kind of guy where we should say you know it's just a matter of time before he gets going like we said about Dalene and Pedersen or is he the kind of guy that you have to maybe consider cutting your losses with like yeah maybe I made a dumb move drafting him so high uh, it doesn't seem like this is going to be the year for him to have a breakout or maybe I have to look and see what exciting options are out there in free agency and I know you're going to say well it depends who's out there but just, just in general like is this going to be a year for Lafreniere where he's going to be challenging for the Calder or should we be concerned that this slow stretch to start is going to be a sign of things to come well it's funny because like my projections I figured he would find his way onto one of the scoring lines where he would find a way to have his line scoring more and thus far you know I I was expecting Alexis on fire and I've gotten city in color and (laughs) you know I just um You've got the references on Pat today. Yeah, awesome. yeah, I'm, I'm I'm bringing the heat. I've been uh, I, I have Lafreniere. I didn't draft him in any of my one year leagues, but I do have him in a dynasty league, and he's he has been disappointing thus far. But like obviously in a dynasty league, like you're you're holding on tight there. Um, one year leagues, maybe we're looking at a Stamkos rookie type situation where he struggles in the first half and takes off in the second half. I don't think we're looking at a Jack Hughes Capo Caco type rookie situation where they're just going to be overwhelmed for the whole season i think that he's physically ready to contribute and we'll see how long it takes for him to catch up to the nhl speed because remember like a lot of the guys who have come in as rookies had gotten games elsewhere and he didn't so it'll be interesting to see how long it takes and I'm not so sure that top line deployment on the New York Rangers is so hot right now. Cause it, it seems like Zabanajad is maybe totally banged up right now and not going to contribute a ton. And so I, I just call me when Lafreniere is playing with Panarin and let's, let's see what happens there. Well, uh, yeah, I think that's fair. So you might see him drop in some leagues. And I think it sounds like what you're saying is you don't need to maybe necessarily pounce right away again in one-year leagues, but there could be like a second-half breakout a la Stamco. So I think I'm with you on that. If he's playing with Panarin, that's a whole other thing. A uh, guy who's just gotten to play with Panarin is Pavel Buchnevich. It was always Buchnevich with Zibanejad and Kreider, but now Buchnevich has gone up and he's had a great start to his season, right? Four points in his first four games going into today. 
though three of those points came versus the Islanders on the first Saturday of the season. But obviously, uh, you can't complain with deployment with Panarin. But there's another guy playing with Panarin who's still stuck at zero points, just like Lafreniere, and that's Ryan Strom. And he has less of an excuse than Lafreniere because this is not his first season. Plus, he's playing with Panarin at both even strength and on the power play. Strom's been playing 20-plus minutes a game. So, I mean, on one hand, you'd think, how can this guy not be getting points when he's playing with Panarin, who's doing just fine, by the way. Panarin has five points uh, with the exact same deployment. Uh, So he's another guy that I could see getting dropped at some point in fantasy leagues. And uh, yeah, I guess the same story for a lot of these people. And it's like two weeks into the season. So it's a lot of just small sample size. And there's not really much you can say. But I'd imagine that you're probably going to expect Ryan Strom to bounce back sooner than Alexis Lafreniere. Yeah, I would say so just based on opportunity and deployment and you know the halo effect that Panarin provides but I mean reality like last season was the absolute high water mark for Ryan Strom so like are are we going to get better than that there was a ton of guys on that team who they were just playing crazy fire wagon hockey and I don't know if they're going to get back to that like is the bandage ad going to shoot 20 percent like he did last year and is is strom going to be getting secondary assists off all that stuff like the offense may not be as high flying as we thought it was going to be and you know maybe maybe shame on us for projecting that it was going to be as high flying because certainly i like i was on board with a, a lot of the rangers players this season but doesn't necessarily seem like it's going to get there but again we're we're not even two weeks in so you know, a lot of players are still shaking off their rust. And, and the biggest thing is getting those opportunities. And I don't see Strom's opportunities going away. So it's it's not the time to bail out, but like, it depends on your league. Yeah, I think that if you see Strom in free agency, or if I saw Strom in free agency in any of my leagues, I would be pouncing because of that opportunity. I might even take him over Buchnevich, even though Buchnevich has had the better start, just because Strom seems to be more like cemented as that center for Panarin, at least for this year. Maybe at some point, Filipetal bumps him from that spot, but it doesn't seem like it's going to happen this year. Yeah. It's a, it's a league-sized thing, right? Like if you're in a 14-16 team league, then yeah, Strom hits the waiver wire like... He's, he's mine, but like if you're in a 12-team league and you're dropping Buchnevich to grab Strom, then that's a situation where I think you're just going to be chasing the tail all season long. Like, ooh, this guy's hot. Ooh, this guy's hot. And you're just, yeah. you're just always following the points around and never actually getting them. Yeah, definitely. Uh, I think Strom is the kind of guy I'm saying I would add not because he's hot. He, right now he's super cold and I would grab him for the deployment. But yeah, if it's a shallow enough league, then yeah, tweet at us at Kevin Carlson or tweet at Steve Laidlaw and you could ask for the specific advice should I drop this guy for this guy. But uh, yeah, a lot of these players having slow starts that I wouldn't expect. Uh, the one guy we have to bring up who's having a red hot start, we already mentioned him, Adam Fox. He's on the top power play. And he's been fire all season now. Like So four points in four games going into today. I already mentioned his assist on the... Who was it again? Colin Blackwell's opening goal of the game. Colin Blackwell, more goals than Alexis. It's a made-up name. You're making this up. That didn't happen. <laughs> uh, also, like, Fox is good for peripherals, right? He has 10 blocks going into today, 11 shots. Uh, I'm going to say something crazy right now, and then you could, like, pour some cold water on me. But I feel like if Fox stays in this deployment on the top power play... I could see him being like a top five defenseman in multi-category leagues this year. Like, it just seems like the power play is great. He's such a talented player. Plus, with those blocks, oh man, I just, I'm so mad at myself for not drafting Adam Fox in more leagues. 
No, it, it's it's not crazy because Fox, the question for him was going to be deployment, right? Like we talked about with the Pionk Morrissey situation, there's a ceiling that is cast upon you when you aren't playing on the top power play unit. And we saw with D'Angelo how explosive that top power play unit can be for the New York Rangers, but D'Angelo was still there. And then D'Angelo did, I'm terrible at defense D'Angelo things and got himself benched. And then suddenly Fox took the opportunity and ran with it. Like Fox without top power play unit deployment, everything else about him was as good or better than Hughes and McCarr last season. It's just the points weren't there. Like he was on that level and was had had a Calder worthy season, if not for them racking up the obscene point totals. That's yeah. the type of player that we're dealing with. And Panarin is the superstar. Like he could throw up 65, 70 points in this abbreviated season if the team can get that offensive juggernaut running. And the fact that it's like not running as smoothly as it could be, and Fox is still piling up points, like that's super intriguing. I, I would be concerned. Uh, that D'Angelo is going to come back in and muddy the waters, but like Fox at at very least, he's going to score 25 points in 56 games or however many games he plays. He's going to be at that level at minimum because we saw that's what he can do even with secondary deployment. And then it just, it, it just cascades up almost exponentially with the more top unit power play exposure that he gets. So I don't think you're crazy. I think that, I think we probably see the peripherals chill out a little bit because, again, maybe you don't want your defenseman shooting so much. So maybe he's on a, a shot barrage, and that's part of why the offense isn't working quite as well because, mm. like, they're not getting better opportunities. So now their defensemen are being forced to bomb away from the point, and they don't necessarily want that. So we could see that come down. Shot blocks in a small sample of games like that's kind of random but we'll see where that ends up and then like if you've got blocks you probably have hits so like is he going to provide a ton of those not so sure so i I don't know about top five roto but like offense like the potential for him to have that type of season is there he's he's good enough it's just a question does the opportunity come together for him yeah so it's there now obviously he's great while he holds it and we'll see in d'angelo man it would be really hard for me to be holding d'angelo in my fantasy leagues if i'm in tight if i can't afford to be like wasting a roster spot i don't think there's any fantasy value for d'angelo until he gets back on the top power play and right now fox doesn't seem to be giving him any inches (laughs) for an opportunity to get back there but uh okay let's go on i've got so many guys i want to throw at you a couple more cold streak guys here before we switch to the hot streaks uh ricard raquel only one assist in five games going into today's game for anaheim versus colorado i've got some hot streak guys coming like i said i'll even like give a little bit of a spoiler here like kempe kairu hints like bobby ryan like there's been a lot of guys who've come out strong this season ricard raquel has not i've been like sort of the guy saying that i still believe in ricard raquel for a couple years now even though it's been a while since he's been showing us what we thought he'd be able to be like a 70-ish point player with big shots and lots of goals uh doesn't seem like that's possible on this ducks team Uh, are you at a point where you can like advise people to drop raquel even like he's still shooting right he has 17 shots in the five games so far but maybe we should at the very best like assume that last year's 53 point pace is the best we can hope for once again yeah that's kind of the ceiling at this point like I, i don't drink nearly as much as i used to and so like I've got this bottle of wine that's been sitting in my fridge for like three years 
and I drank half of it and it's, it's still just sitting there just marinating. I don't know what it's doing. Um, and that's basically Ricard Raquel. Like he was, <laughs> oh, no. he was awesome three years ago. We all wanted it. We opened that bottle of wine and we were all having a glass. We all, everyone wanted to taste and it's three years later and he's been sitting in the fridge festering and it's, it's not a good scene. So I think uh, like I have no shares of Raquel. I won't have any shares of Raquel until someone emerges as an offensive driver on that Anaheim team. And that's probably Trevor Zegras in two years. And is Raquel even still going to be on the team by then? Yeah, uh, like uh, that would be nice for him to finally get to play with Zegras. But I don't know, he might that wine might keep getting more and more rancid if you're still holding on to him. I'll, I'll admit I have one share in Raquel, but it's because he was just dropped in one of my leagues and I picked him up for a streaming spot and he got an assist in the one game I've gotten him for. So I guess I'm going to hold on a little longer. But yeah, at this point, it's a very short leash. And you've heard it here first. Like He's already in like this territory where he's getting added and dropped in fantasy leagues. So I don't think you need to hold on if you're seeing good options out there. Uh, let's go to the Peng now who are playing the rangers today and they announced a big line shuffle to go into the game so both uh jason zucker and kasperi kapanen have been bumped out of the top six to play together with mark jankowski and then so it's been crosby with gensel and rodriguez and then where's your malkin with rust and jared mccann so i don't know who this these are crazy lines that probably won't last but either way makes sense that zucker gets demoted right because he only has one assist in five games now that he's playing on line three i feel like unless until something changes i think you could drop him for sure like i'm not interested in jason zucker not playing with crosby or malkin yeah so zucker just kind of, he kind of is what he is like he's he's gonna have some hot streaks and some cold streaks i've watched a few penguins games or at least a few penguins periods and like the chances are close but they're just they, they just haven't been happening for him so i don't know bump him down the line but like for kapanen pretty sure he started out his first couple of games on the fourth line and he scored so this is actually a promotion for him third line deployment <laughs> promotion for for kapanen um <laughs> Yeah, I, I don't know. I I don't think that Kapanen, the I don't think the right spot for him is in the top six. I don't think he's that type of player. And I think he's the type of guy you want beating up on lower lines where he can just kind of do his speed thing and maybe gets you some goals. And hopefully that helps out the Penguins in like a third line, fourth line role. Because I, I don't think putting him in the top six is going to be something that uh, either of their centermen are thoroughly going to enjoy. Yeah, uh, Leafs fans are very well familiar with third line Kasperi Kapanen, so this is not a shock for them to see him there on the Penguins. Just add, you know, Zucker and Kapanen and whoever else to the long list of people that uh, people have gotten excited about because they're going to the Penguins and this allure of like playing with Crosby and Malkin just makes you want to add every single player. Like Galchenyuk's been there. Uh, David Perron was there. David Perron actually is good now, but he had a stretch of being bad and going through Pittsburgh didn't help that. Uh, So yeah, we'll see. Like obviously if one of them gets back there, or you're saying captain. I think captain was there for a game. But yeah, like uh, if one of them gets back there, you could stream him in and then hope for the best. But I'm not holding out too much hope at this point. Uh, here's a guy. Okay, I, de- I definitely am not going to say to drop this guy. And by the way, I, I got just a couple more cold street guys to go. We're clearing out the fridge, right? So that we can make room for all the hot street guys that we're going to potentially want to be adding to our, uh, I don't know, chef's plate plan for the week. But that, that wasn't a paid ad. Yeah, Elon, a- after this, Elon, after this, do you want to come help me clear out my fridge? 
Yeah, be happy to. <laughs> Unless I, I, I'm not interested in that wine that you're talking about. That's three years old. But uh, we could take a look at maybe the cheese drawer or something. But yeah, I want to bring up Anthony Mantha, who played on the third line today for Detroit. Only 12 minutes and 50 seconds of ice time. A couple bad plays led to Chicago goals. Uh, yeah, I'm getting a little worried about Mantha here because he's supposed to be locked alongside Dylan Larkin as like the only offensive line on the team. Now that they're separated, I mean, I don't know. What do you do? Like, he's only got three points in six games now. Detroit seems like a mess. This guy named Matthias Brome, Brome was playing on the top line with Larkin and Bertuzzi today. Uh, I've got Mantha in a couple of my leagues, and I'll admit, I'm worried. So, uh, Steve, please ease my concerns. Tell me that I shouldn't be worried about Anthony Mantha. Yeah, I've, I'm heavy on the Mantha and Larkin shares in my one-year leagues. So I, I get where you're at. I think you just kind of ride this one out for a little while longer because we know what those guys can do together. And you, you can understand the logic of them splitting those guys up. They, they only have so much talent, right? So you kind of you want to kickstart some of the other lines so that you've got more lines that you could throw at people. And it's generally not a great solution when you're just loading up one line and, and hoping that it works out for you. Um, but they might have to do that just to generate offense. So I, I know they tried some other stuff to generate offense and it didn't necessarily work. So I think Bantha finds his way back to that top line sooner rather than later, but like depends on your league too, right? Like you, if you own those guys, you're going to be drowning plus minus like every oh, single yeah. week. So you, you're basically throwing that category away. And anyone who follows my rankings, no, I don't even rank plus minus. I don't put a projection for it. I don't include it. It's not involved. I will punt that category and dominate you everywhere else. And that's that's basically what Manta is. He's going to drown you in plus minus. And like the opportunity has been there. I've watched more Detroit than I thought I would to start the season. And like he has had a ton of chances, so I, I'm not really that concerned. The only thing that would concern me is like if he gets hurt and then suddenly he comes back and he's fighting it all year. We've we've been down that road with Matthew yeah, yeah, before, sure. right? Like we're just we're waiting for the year that he stays healthy and doesn't maroon us. Well, so far, like he's healthy. Now we just need him to get going offensively. It sounds like you're saying you've seen him have some chances. So I'm glad to see that. If you're playing in a plus minus league, come on, change change the rules of your league. That's silly. Like, why should these players arbitrarily be devalued just because of the team they're on? By the way, uh, on Detroit, though, Bobby Ryan's still cooking. Power play assist on Sunday brought him to five points in five games now. At first, I was thinking like, oh, come on, this is just for fun. It's definitely not going to last. At this point, I feel like I'm ready to add Bobby Ryan, right? He's on the top power play. Now, that power play assist came on a goal with like Larkin involved, you know, all, all the names you want to hear, Heronic. Uh, like, I would definitely be dropping like a Jason Zucker for Bobby Ryan. I might even drop Ricard Raquel for Bobby Ryan. Like, I'm not saying it's a season long thing, but I think you got to stream Ryan in while he's hot and ride it out because I think it could keep going for a little bit longer. But maybe I'm just excited about the cool story and remembering back in like, 2009 when he was a really good player in the nhl no this is one been one of the best stories of the season and he legitimately looks good he legitimately looks like a version of of his older self right he's he's forechecking well he's playing the power game and he's parked at the net front on a power play that shouldn't be terrible right larkin's going to be distributing to bertuzzi and to Mantha and 
there should be enough goals there for him to have some relevance. Depends on the depth of your league, but certainly you're talking about a Raquel. Well, there's more offensive potential in Detroit than there is in Anaheim. So if they're playing the same type of deployment in minutes, I would go with Ryan. And I did not see that coming whatsoever. Yeah, it's a strange year. But again, like especially in a short season, you got to adapt quickly. And yeah, jump on Bobby Ryan for now. Ride him while he's hot. Uh, okay, one more cold streak guy, and then we'll turn the tide around. Though we've gotten some hot streaks along the way to keep it fun. Uh, but obviously not at the level of like a Pedersen, Dalin, or Morgan Riley. But like at this point, Nikita Gusev, uh, I was kind of into him going into the year. He seems like droppable all over at this point. Like no points in four games going into his game today versus the Islanders. So watch him put up a hat trick and make me look dumb. But uh, he's had like a lot of shots, which is a reason why I'm still kind of interested. He had like a couple four-shot games, even a five-shot game. So he could be a hold, but it's just hard to imagine him having much of an impact, at least until his year is back. Like it seems like at this point, the Devils have one line that's producing, like Hughes, Palmieri, and Sharangovich. And... Like, yeah, aside from, like, Miles Wood has had a couple of good games, but I think, like, playing with Zajac and Boakvist doesn't excite me. So, yeah, I think maybe wait for his year to come back and then grab Gusev if he's still available. But for now, I think he's probably a drop. I'm curious to know if you concur. Yeah, I I struggle to figure out what exactly to do with Gusev because I was high on him coming into this season as well. You look at what they, you know, after the coaching change last season, they went really, they gave him a ton of opportunities to basically run things as their power play quarterback from the half wall. And he had an explosive second half to the season. And I thought we'd be back into that situation this season as well. And it seems like because he's not producing, he's slowly falling down the lineup and getting less and less deployment. I haven't been too keyed in on New Jersey. I've, I've seen, I've seen the the Jack Hughes highlights and I've watched a little bit of that, but uh, it, it seems to me like you said, he's, he's falling further and further down the depth chart. And with Jack Hughes being what he is, they might just hand the car keys to him and say, no, you're, you're the playmaking guy for us on the power play now. And that might just mean, Hey, Gusev, you're, you're kind of caught in the wind here. Yeah. Your goose is cooked, but uh, actually Gusev does have an assist today for what it's worth. I just think now that New Jersey's up, 2 nothing at the end of the first, and uh, Pavel Zaka scored a goal that Gusev assisted on. The other assist went to Ty Smith. Also, Jack Hughes scored a power play goal assisted by Paul Berry, and Ty Smith, who appears to be on the top power play now, I think this is new, was Subban for the first few games. Ty Smith I was already planning on bringing up because he had a point in every game of the season going into today. Throw another couple assists on top of that. It's Ty Smith's season, right? Like, everyone should pause the podcast and go add Ty Smith, like, wherever they see him available. Yeah, this is crazy. I I think before tonight, Ty Smith had already surpassed my fantasy projection for him for this year. I mean, who knew that Will Butcher was just going to be just excised from the lineup and Ty Smith has completely replaced him. And a certain amount of his, like he's been good from what I've seen. He's been, he's been legit. So the question is about that deployment, right? Because we know what that ceiling is on you if you're not getting those top power play minutes, but like, Subban's not immovable on the point if well he he might not be able to move but (laughs) it's not like the coach has to roll him out there on the top power play unit we you know we all kind of were hoping oh yeah this is this is a guy who could put up stats across the board if he gets that top power play unit role and he's healthy again maybe maybe he'll roll but it looks like Ty Smith is running away with this thing 
And I, I wouldn't want to get too carried away because there are a ton of options that could displace him. But like at worst, he's in that 30 to 35 point range in a 82 game season. So what is that in a regular season? 20 to 25 points for this 56 game season. Like he is, his, his projection is, is exploding and it only goes up higher if he can hang on to that top power play interval. So yeah. uh, exciting times for, uh, for Ty Smith. Yeah. I feel like you'd have to show me your team. If you think that you don't have room for Ty Smith in your lineup, like, yeah, I get what you're saying that who knows if he can like keep this up and like, maybe he doesn't hold the top power play, but if he's there and he's in free agency in your league, like why not get him in? I guess it becomes difficult if it's like a shallower league and you're deciding if it's time to drop like a D'Angelo or a Neil Pionk who have been bumped from the top power play for a Ty Smith. But I don't know. Like I said, I'm ready to go more fast and loose this season. And so I, I might even make one of those swaps. So I don't know. Maybe it's crazy. But I, I'm pretty excited with what I've been seeing so far. And plus, this team is going to get Nico Hischier back. And yes, for Brad, like there are some offensive weapons coming, which could help the team, like, you know, be able to score even more goals. And you'd think that someone like Smith is going to benefit from that. Uh, hopefully they'll get Mackenzie Blackwood back soon. He's currently undergoing COVID protocol. This is a team that was supposed to have one of like the best tandems going into the season, like Blackwood and Crawford. It was like, wow, look at the devils. They're going to be awesome. Instead, I believe today they've got Scott Wedgwood playing and Eric Comrie is backing up. So a bit of a downgrade though. Hey, like I said, uh, so far Wedgwood has stopped 11 of 11, but I'll maybe I'll stop making mid game references that are already out of date for everyone who's listening to it. Uh, the devils did sign Aaron Dell after Toronto waived him. So it'll be interesting to see like once everyone's healthy i'd imagine it will be like blackwood and arendell as the two goalies but in the meantime i don't know i kind of feel like you want to load up on dfs teams versus the devils if it's going to be scott wedgwood or eric comrie in net i mean that seems like a valid strategy that's a that's a underwhelming goalie room considering what they had before yeah, what a bummer. And I mean, good for Corey Crawford for like focusing on his health and uh, Blackwood. Like, yeah, I, I think this could be a great season for Blackwood. I like this Devils team. Like, I think they're an underrated looking team and like they're doing good again today. But uh, yeah, once he's back, like if, if anyone is like going to drop Blackwood, if you're in one of these leagues where people just go crazy and drop a goalie because they're under COVID protocol, uh, yeah, scoop them up. I think it's going to be great, but uh, bummer for them right now. All right, let's get into some hot streaks now. Let's get excited. Uh, though I've already got excited about Ty Smith. Let's do a couple more defensemen. Uh, how about on the Islanders, the team the Devils are playing today, a guy who's really jumped on my radar is Noah Dobson. Uh, in the first game that the Islanders played versus New Jersey on Thursday, Dobson put up a cool two assists along with two shots and get this seven blocks so this is not our typical like low calorie top power play guy in your categories league on the islanders like devon taves was last year I remember taves was on the top power play. I was like oh that's kind of interesting then you look like he's not giving you anything aside from uh you know power play assist every now and then looks like dobson is going to help you in peripherals even when he doesn't get points plus he's getting points uh he's a second d-man on that top power play unit with pulak everly lee and barzell uh and now that i see that he could put up the perifs I feel like it's time for his percentage rostered on Yahoo to surge from the 4% that it's at now. So I'm going to throw a, a rankings question at you. Brian always hates this, but I'm going to throw it at you, Steve. Hopefully you won't hate me. Uh, let's say if you have Rasmus Anderson, Ty Smith, and Noah Dobson all out there, who's your pick? Rasmus Anderson and like not particularly close. Oh, okay. And then probably I would lean towards ty smith just just to see what can happen with this new jersey situation and then i i just look at the islanders situation and 
it's just there's there's never going to be that one defenseman that blows you away like you you said he's on the top power play unit but like they don't have a top power play unit they play their power play units evenly and so again that's just putting a ceiling on things and their power plays aren't even like good and their team isn't explosive offensively so to me like he's he's very much trapped in that ceiling he's he's already doing more with the time that he's gotten than I maybe would have expected. Like certainly high pedigree player, you figure he turns into this at some point. Is it maybe just a hot streak? We'll see, but the opportunity is there for him to be relevant in in deeper leagues. The biggest thing that like I would be excited about in, in those deep leagues is the fact that in their second game of the year, when they just got blown out of the water by the Rangers, he made some boneheaded rookie mistakes and he wasn't immediately benched the way we saw D'Angelo benched. And so just the fact that like trots isn't falling back on that stuff in his, in the way that they're breaking Dobson into the league has got to be exciting because there were nothing could deflate you more than if Dobson's in and out of the lineup because he's a rookie. And if that's not happening, then at the very least deep leagues, that's a guy that you you would be interested in. Yeah, that's interesting. That's a good sign. Yeah, you see on Chicago, like uh, Bokvist loses a lot of ice time whenever he has some bad play. And Chicago's not even a contending team. Why not let Bokvist just play? Uh, it would make more sense to bench someone like Dobson because the Islanders are trying to like make a run at it. Uh, so yeah, that is a good sign. But I think I'll agree with your rankings for now. But definitely he's a guy that people should have on their radars. Uh, let's go from this defenseman to a defenseman who's like, you know, we're talking about a rookie. How about someone who has just played a couple games so far in their whole career? And that's Bowen Byram over on the Colorado Avalanche. He played his first game versus LA on Thursday, didn't do much. But then he had a really sweet looking assist on Miko Rantanen's goal on Friday for his first career point. Uh, he may only be getting like the six game look before he gets sent down to the minors. But I think he's someone that you have to consider rostering while he's around, right? Like uh, Colorado's playing Anaheim today. The game's just started. So unfortunately I can't report on that, but I'd be like, if you're listening to this podcast tomorrow on Monday, uh, take a break, go to frozen tools, check what the line combos were, check out what uh, Byram's ice time was. And obviously check if he produced, because I think he could be a fun short-term ad. Like from the minutes that I saw him play in that last game on Friday, like he looked like he had a lot of talent. I saw him with the puck a lot. Like he was skating around. I don't know. Like I'm not a big hockey analyzer like you. You actually know how to watch games and tell if players are good or not. I'm more of a spreadsheet guy. But uh, I liked what I saw from Byram. Clearly, he's going to be a star in the league in the future. And next week, Colorado plays four times, Tuesday, Thursday, Saturday, Sunday. So if you can fit him in and he's available in your one-year league, he's someone I would be interested in trying out. Well, you you said it, right? It's a six-game tryout and then he's down to the minors. Probably. So... Like, how many people does he have to pass before he gets good deployment? There's Devon Taves, and there's Sam Gerrard, and there's Kale McCarr, and, like, the list just goes on and on. So, like, not – I don't know. I wouldn't really be wasting my time on a on a short-term play like that. But, That's fair. I mean, he's, he's obviously super talented, and it's just – it's a question of when, not if, he becomes a relevant player, and it's probably not this year. But, I mean – talented and i think you've given me far too credit for for my puck watching abilities but i would just say that there there are layers to this thing 
Yeah, no, that's definitely fair. I think it's like maybe my advice is just he might be a fun guy to stream in for a week if you're playing in a league where you tend to like add and drop players willy-nilly all throughout. Maybe he's the guy that can jump into a spot if you have an open D spot on one of the games next week. But I'm with you. Like, he's probably not going to get a lot of ice time, but I could see him potentially getting a shot on like the second power play and maybe something could happen. I I really like that assist on Rantanen's goal because I'm basing this all on that. So, okay, you've convinced me. Forget about Bowen Byram. Uh, By the way, the... No, I, I just... I want I want to touch on something. I want to touch okay. on something. So you said if you're in, like you talked about fun, right? And we talked about how fun Bobby Ryan is. If you're not having fun this year, then like my God. So whatever it is that you need to do to have fun, like if you need to pick up Bowen Byram and carry him on your roster all year and be like, I love Bowen Byram, and that makes you happy about your fantasy team this year, <laughs> then like please fucking do it, like because. I'm losing my mind and I cannot not lose my mind about my fantasy team. And so in a season like this, where everything is like beyond our control, like completely beyond our control, more so than it already is like just being able to cling on to things that are fun for you. You have to do it. So if this is casual, then have fun, like please have fun with this stuff and above all else, because you don't want to do what I do and just like sweat this stuff so hard. <laughs> no, that's really good advice. Like I'm really trying to play this like sort of more Zen way this year. Like for example, I've got Evgeny Kuznetsov on one of my teams. And then obviously this news came out that uh, they broke protocol and he's going to miss four games. And I tried really hard to not stress. Out. I was just like, well, that's a shame. And I'm like, what should I do? You know, just try to not get too angry because you're right. Like people are going to be who are really good at playing fantasy hockey. Some some of them are just going to have bad luck this year. Like all these, you know, delayed games, rescheduled games, all these players randomly going on the COVID list. So yeah, we're we're lucky to even be able to play. This probably shouldn't even be happening, uh, but it's here for us to play. And uh, I'm with you. But with that, also I'm with you to not uh, rush to grab Bone Byram in your one year leagues. Uh, I was going to bring up Colorado's lines quickly because it looks like Nazem Kadri has been bumped to the third line to play with Valerie Nichushkin and Matt Calvert. And Burakovsky is back in the lineup today, but it's a JT Comfer centering his line with Brandon Saad. So I don't know, not, not, nothing really to take away from that, but uh, just something to keep in mind. I'm, I'm not saying to drop Nazem Kadri yet. Well, that might not even last. And, and Kadri's on the top power play anyway, so he's going to get his points. Yeah, that's the thing to watch is where is he on the power play? Because as soon as he vanishes from there, then you could just like fire him to the waiver wire. Yeah, for sure. But I I mean, I hope that won't happen. I guess it could happen because Burkowski's back and Burkowski has gotten on that top power play before, sometimes bumping Landeskog. But yeah, Kadri could be someone else who gets bumped. So watch those Colorado lines. We'll see how they do today against Anaheim. Uh, Ducks are up one nothing right now. Okay, uh, enough defense anyways. Uh, we've talked about a lot of these young defensemen. Let's go to some forwards. Last week on the show, we brought up how Jeff Carter had a hot start to the season for the Kings. He's slowed down a bit since, only one assist in his last three games. And that's what we predicted would happen. So I'm going to count that as a keeping Carlson good prediction there. But... Uh, this week, I have a new Los Angeles King player to throw at you, and I think he's someone I'm going to be more into than I was about Jeff Carter last week, and that is Adrian Kempe, who has been promoted to the top line with Kopitar. He bumped Dustin Brown, so it's been Kempe with Kopitar and Ayafalo. Kempe was already on the top power play also, and he's been scoring some goals. He's got a goal in each of his last three games. Uh, unfortunately for LA, like they only play two games next week on Tuesday and Thursday, which are both busy days, so if this is like a stream 
stream. Maybe you just wait and see if you can get Kempe like for the following week. But this seems like a guy who could potentially be a season long hold. Like someone, okay, like uh, if it's not him, then it's like no Kings aside from Kopitar for forwards at least should be rostered. So I think at this point, at the very least, I'm saying that I think Adrian Kempe is the forward that I'd want the most on the Kings outside of Kopitar. Yeah, I can get behind that. Like the guy, he can really shoot the puck. We'll see. There could be a little yin and yang going on with him and I follow, depending on who is hot that week, who gets that opportunity. But I like what I've seen from him thus far. He's he's big. He's fast. He seems to be playing in straight lines, predictable hockey, and he can shoot the crap out of the puck. So like, there's a, there's a lot to like there. But at the same time, is the West division going to be the lowest scoring division? Like what happens when they've got to play Vegas and then Arizona and then St. Louis for like two weeks straight? Like, are you hanging on to Kempe? It's like, is Kempe going to hang on to a top line role if that line's not clicking? Like I have, uh, I have questions and I mean, it, it should be mentioned that he was looking good against the blues when I was watching them last night. So it's not like it's a death sentence playing in a lower scoring division, but like, I would rather have a guy like Toffoli playing on the third line in Montreal than a guy playing on the top line in Los Angeles. Yeah, I mean, that's usually true, even not this season, and maybe more so this season with those divisions. Yeah, so if Toffoli's available, you're probably going to want to grab him, especially with the run he's been on. But uh, if you're in a deeper league and Kempe is out there, and like just have him on your watch list at least, I like the opportunities had. So LA's playing St. Louis again today, so we'll see how he does. Uh, everyone listening, uh, pause now, check and see how Kempe did, and I don't know, tweet at us and be like, you were right or you were wrong about Kempe. That, that might be a kind of a weird tweet to receive, but uh, why not? Okay, uh, let's go to St. Louis now. They also have a new guy who I'm kind of interested in, who's seen a promotion to the top six recently, and that is Jordan Cairo, who's been skating on a line with Shen and Schwartz. He's got four points in five games to start the season. Uh, a bit concerning that he had no points and only saw 12 minutes and 45 seconds of ice time yesterday versus the Kings, but... He put up five shots in that time. So that kind of makes up for it and keeps me still interested in Jordan Cairo, who's 22 years old. Someone I've heard prospect fanatics talking about for a little bit recently. Like he wasn't someone that was on my radar at all. Like before, like this past off season, when I started seeing him in lists of like top prospects going into the year and Cairo's name was popping up. And yeah, so do you think that this deployment playing with Shannon Schwartz can hold and maybe Cairo can become someone that starts maintaining some fantasy relevance, at least in deeper leagues? Like, I know there's another guy on the team, Robert Thomas, who a lot of people were excited about going into the season. Uh, if they were both in free agency, who would you go for first between Cairo and Robert Thomas? I think it would depend on the league. And like you talked about the shot volume with Cairo, and that's kind of what he is. He's a, he's a fast train. He's a water buck and he's going to shoot the puck and it's going to depend on how much opportunity he gets. Cause a lot of years it's been like in and out of the lineup, fourth line deployment. And we'll, we'll take what we can get at you, Kairou, but you're not, you're not ready to be a regular. I think he's got to be close to being a regular if he's not already there now. Um, Robert Thomas is just a disgusting playmaker, but like if you're in a league with all the categories, like he's going to put up assists and that's about it. And the problem with both of these guys is, neither one of them is going to get onto the top power play unit. So like we talked about it with defensemen and there's a similar thing with forwards, right? Like you look at Verana who was the best five on five producer for the Washington Capitals last year. And there was no way he was getting beyond 60 points because he couldn't get on the top power play unit. But in the last two games that they've had COVID outages, 
he's been scoring like crazy on the power play. So like the talent is there. It's a, it's about whether you get that opportunity. Like you've been out shopping during the pandemic, right? Oh yeah. And by out shopping, you mean browsing Amazon in my, in my underwear. Oh, okay. Yes. Uh, actually I'm doing that mostly online too, but I, I, let's keep going with this. Okay. So like you're trying to do it as little as possible. You're trying to load up in, in, in one trip. And oh, yes. so you come back from that trip and you've got all these toys right you've got you've got everything that you've thought out to make this fantastic meal that's the top i thought that i was unit. grocery shopping why am i buying toys you you get like <laughs> sorry you've got all these ingredients yes i've 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 miss uh i've misassigned my uh my labels for things in uh, i thought maybe you were saying that i bought a bunch of uh kinder surprises and then i got <laughs> a lot of toys out of them that that as well that as well so you, you you've got all these ingredients and you've got all this opportunity you've made all these plans that's your top power play unit okay so you, you went out and you did your shopping on Sunday and you made these fantastic meals to start the week. Well, now it's Friday and you're tired from the week and you got nothing in the fridge. And before you know it, you are wrapping pickles in craft singles and you've eaten a box of crackers and that's dinner and that's second power play unit opportunities. And I hate it, but that's, <laughs> that's kind of what you're dealing with for, for guys like Thomas and, and Kyrie. So like there's, there's, there's going to be some some enjoyment there, but like it's it the the ceiling is so much lower. Uh, that's fair. You took us on quite a ride there. I think my main takeaway is that you should ask for a raise. I thought firefighters got paid pretty well. If you're stuck eating like pickles wrapped in whatever you were saying, as opposed to just ordering some Uber Eats, uh, I don't know. Yeah, we we don't we don't we don't have that in Dryden, Ontario. But that's uh, that's another story. And I'm not eating craft singles. I, I don't like that stuff. But it's it's an analogy that many can relate to. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Yeah. So definitely Cairo. Listen, listeners out there, you know who you are with your <laughs> your your cheese wrapped pickles. <laughs> Sounds so gross. But okay, yeah, yeah. But some these guys are more for deeper leagues for sure. Okay. I, I want to just, just one last point. One last point Please. on uh Mr. Robert Thomas. He is such a good playmaker. I'm telling you, he is going to have like Backstrom, Blake Wheeler type assist levels at some point in his career. It's just a question of when. Okay, well, hey, good news for Mike Hoffman, who you'd be a little bit down on, like, oh, he's on the third line. That's not great. But at least he's playing with this amazing playmaker, Robert Thomas. So uh, it hasn't been going too badly so far. Uh, could be better. But okay, I want to now this will be the segment of the show where I'm going to salivate over the Montreal Canadiens. I don't really have a question for you. I'm just going to tell you about a bunch of Montreal Canadiens that are doing really well. And then you could respond by saying, yeah, they're doing really well, I guess. And then maybe have an awesome insight. But man, this team, they're still yet to lose in regulation after that 5-2 win over the Canucks on Saturday. They're 4-0-2. They've got nine players now that have four or more points in these six games. Uh, and that includes Tyler Toffoli, who we brought up. He's on a four-game point streak now, including that Hattie, and then a two-goal and one-assist game versus the Canucks. He'll definitely be sad to be leaving Vancouver. He had eight points, or no, he has eight points overall, but like a lot of them came against the Canucks. So we'll see how he can do in his next destination. I've got Jeff Petrie, two goals and five assists. Thomas Tatar's got three goals and three assists. Suzuki, two goals and four assists. Where I'm still talking about point-per-game guys. Uh, Jonathan Drouin had a nice one-goal, one-assist game on Saturday to bring him to a goal and five assists in six games. Uh, unfortunately, Yoel Armia was having an amazing night with Toffoli on Thursday. He had two goals and two assists just in that game before Tyler Myers hit him high. Now he's off with a concussion, which sucks. Uh, then Corey Perry took his place on that line with Toffoli and Kakaniemi. And Corey Perry scored a goal on Saturday and took four shots. So even he's able to do well on this team. Uh, then we've got Weber, Josh Anderson, Gallagher. They all have four points. Like, 
Steve, are the Habs, like, you brought them up as saying they're one of the top two teams in the North. Like, how good is this team? Like, I think at this point, they're the front runner for being the team with the most, they're going to have the most rostered players of any NHL team in terms of fantasy. Okay, let me say this correctly. In the Cupful, let's say I'm going to find what's a team that has the most rostered players on average. Right now, it's looking like it might be the Habs with, like, three lines of all fantasy-relevant guys Plus, uh, like, three defensemen, you know, Weber, Petrie, and Romanov are probably all worth having on your team. Like, I don't know. This team is great. Like, do we need to be responsible now and suggest that people, like, try to trade Tyler Toffoli or Jeff Petrie because they're overperforming and now might be a good time to get a good haul for them? Or do we just say, yeah, the Habs are going to be freaking awesome this year? Okay, so I feel like, again, you've asked several questions. Yeah, that's my thing. The first (laughs) thing, the inverse of should you buy low is should you sell high? And the answer is always, you can try, but it's just a matter of whether people are buying or not. So should you sell high on Tyler Toffoli? Well, yeah, if you're getting like a legit first line player, like if someone wants to trade you Kyle Connor for Tyler Toffoli. Well, yeah, that might be hard. Yeah. You can reach out to the Patterson owner. He's been struggling. Right. Like if you're getting that sort of thing, but otherwise... Like this Canadians team, they're legit. They were one of my, their point total over under for this season was one of my biggest bets coming into the season because they have a depth that frankly, no other team in the Canadian division can touch. Like there's other teams with more top talent, but they're basically just going to sick the Dano line on every other team's top line. And then like, it's, it's not like Suzuki can't hang with a good second line. And then they're just throwing Kotkin, Niemi, and Toffoli out there to feast on everyone's terrible bottom six. And we saw what that looks like when they played Vancouver. We saw what that looks like when they played Edmonton. We're going to see what it looks like when they play every single team in this division because no one's got a good bottom six except for them. And the result of it is going to be a lot of players who can put up a fair amount of points and... I think things are going to cool down Uh, in terms of the offense. It's not necessarily going to be every game's like seven, five, but the Canadian division is going to be higher scoring. And that is going to mean that players who playing on the third line, they be their ceiling would be maybe limited to 50, 60 point pace. Well, they can hit, they can reach the upper limits of that ceiling as a result of getting to play against like Kyle Turris eight times a season. Right. Okay. This is, uh, yeah, it's looking good for the Habs. Like you say, everything, like they're in this great division. They're so deep. Uh, they're going to be a good team. It's good. People who drafted Carey Price, well, he might have some goals against, but the, the wins are going to come this year. So it's fun. I just recently became a Habs fan. I, just, I had a friend who was like a big Habs fan. Though one of the big reasons is there's a fun bar in Toronto where all the Habs fans go to watch Montreal Canadiens games, Kilgore's. And it's so fun to go there, like high five people when they score. We can't do that now. So it's less fun to be a Habs fan now than it's supposed to be. Uh, hopefully we can get back there at some point before the season is over. I guess that's probably not going to happen. Well, since you can't do that, you can own one of them on your fantasy team. There's, there's enough of them to go around for everyone in a 12-team league. So everyone can have a right. little taste, and you all high-five each other as they rampage over everyone. And I, I just one last thing on the Habs. It's not all roses because they're one of those teams, they, they split up their power play time pretty evenly. But the quote-unquote number one unit, they're still trying to sh- set up Shea Weber for one-timers in the OV spot, and that's not a good recipe. So the power play is still going to kind of stink. But everything else is coming up halves. 
Yeah, who knows? Maybe they could try to change that if it's not working. <laughs> like, hopefully no. they could be flexible. No, uh, no, they're no, going to keep beating their heads against the wall. <laughs> uh, so yeah, another team that's also had a really hot start to the year, though this team has only played one game so far as of this recording, and that's the Dallas Stars, who came shot out of a cannon in their first game versus Nashville on Friday. They absolutely spanked them for a 7-0 win. They're playing uh, Nashville once again tonight, so uh, hopefully the Preds will come out with a stronger performance. So far, it's 0-0 halfway through the first period so already going better for nashville but man like i'm going to again throw a list of players at you who had big games i guess you'd expect that with a seven nothing win like uh, radulov and pavelski had huge games a lot of these points came on the power play i think it was like four power play goals or five power play goals for dallas in this game uh hints and gurianov are looking really good together on the top line they were playing with jamie ben who unfortunately got injured so we will have to see if there's maybe another guy that you can slot in there and maybe consider as like a deep add in a fantasy i think it was jason robertson who uh no sorry it was jason dickinson they have two jasons on this team mm-hmm. i think it was jason dickinson who slotted in instead of ben we'll see that i can see that changing a lot over the week but yeah if like uh hints or guriana like you know the dallas is one of these teams that they didn't play for so long that i think there were some fantasy managers who decided i'm just going to drop my dallas guy especially like a rupe hints let's say who wasn't like gangbusters last year They're like yeah i could just drop this guy and uh maybe i'll grab him back later or whatever and now all of a sudden it's like you have to grab rupe hints i think because he's on this top line he's on like what looks like the top power play with by the way Klingberg and not Haskinen so that's something that's kind of interesting uh so yeah just another team with a lot of big names that are exciting but also let's not analyze them too much I guess because it's been literally one game we'll have a second game of data today yeah and the stars were one of my most confusing teams coming into this season because there is so much flux is Jamie Ben like he channeled it in the bubble playoffs, but like, can he be that guy in the regular season? I, I don't know. I think it, I think he, there's a level that he can get to that is only reserved for the playoffs now, just because he's seen all those miles. And Tyler Sagan's out for the year, so well, maybe not out for the year, but he's out for a lot of it. So, what are they like? Who who's going to be the driver for them? And they've got this situation where they're another one of those teams that they split up their power play unit time. Almost. So like, is it Heiskanen? Is it Klingberg? I don't know. I think both of their ceilings are kind of a little bit limited by the way that they use them. And they're both phenomenal. So like, I I would want a taste of both of them. But ultimately, you're not going to get that ridiculous payoff because they're both kind of eating into each other's upside. And then like, Hanson Gurianov, those guys were freaking like the, the best thing going for the Dallas Stars in the regular season last year in terms of per minute scoring. Mm-hmm. But most of that was just them playing rope-a-dope counterattack. We're, we can score if we're playing in transition, but as soon as they had to score in a bogged down situation where they weren't coming in with speed, it, it wasn't happening. And that's why even in the playoffs, they were only limited to 12, 13 minutes a night. And so now they're being asked to be top line type players. Can they carry over that production? Can they remain two points per hour at five on five type players at 16 minutes a night? And can they do it a little bit more on the power play? These are the questions we're asking. I think they can, but will they do it? And then with some of their older guys, like everything scoring about the Dallas stars was terrible last year because they were playing that Jim Montgomery system. And then they get to the bubble and Rick bonus finally gets to allow the defenseman to jump into the play. Like Jamie Alexiak 
scored a breakaway goal. That's how aggressive they were being offensively. And so they're in this situation where they're, they're going to be a lot more offensive than what we saw last year. And now it's just a question of like, to what level does that go? And do all these injuries that keep mounting for them erode their depth to the point where they're maybe not the defensive outfit that we thought that they were. It's I'm still, I'm still confused about them. It's tricky, right? Because last year, like I said, they were like defensive all year. All of a sudden, they were even defensive like at the start of the playoffs. And all of a sudden, they play Colorado, and all of a sudden, like the floodgates open. And it's almost as if they were able to adapt. Like depending on who they play, they'll like play the style that they need to play to beat that team. And all of a sudden, they were scoring a ton of goals. And so, yeah, like obviously these injuries, it's almost like potentially a good thing for the players that are healthy. Because like I say, if they can't play that defensive system, that just means more offense potentially for Hinson Gurionov to try to keep up in more high scoring games. So they do have a uh, Hudo in in nets who looked really good in his first game he's playing again today so yeah this obviously this is like a strong team they made to the cup finals for a reason and uh, i will comment though on the power play thing at least in game one john klingberg had almost eight minutes of power play time and haskinen was down at closer to three minutes so uh you know haskinen was the one drafted ahead of klingberg in most leagues and uh i think that might have been a mistake at least for this year at least at the start like klingberg's game the deployment he had a great three assist game i think a lot of people were ready to kind of write off klingberg and say okay he's passed the torch over to haskinen like if this is not shade against haskinen i would be happy to have him on my fantasy team but i think john klingberg still could have another big year in him and he's only a couple years removed from being like a 60 point guy and if the dallas team could start scoring more goals again like you're saying might be possible all of a sudden klingberg might have a breakout that people weren't expecting yeah, I wonder how much of that was in game one, a situation of riding the hot hand. Because like yeah. Radulov and Pavelski, they were, it was just like, oh, we're scoring again. Oh, we're scoring again. So like every power play, they just kept racking it up. So why would you go away from that, right? And so over 56 games, there's going to be situations where that unit isn't clicking. And so now the second unit's coming over the boards. And now the, the minutes are evening up a little bit more. I don't know. That's, that's how they deployed it in the bubble. But I, I would agree with you that... Like, I definitely lean Klingberg fantasy-wise versus Heiskanen. Like, they're, they're different guys, right? Like, Klingberg, he likes to – he really likes to shoot from the point, but he's really good at walking the point and stuff like that. I think he's a little bit more um, dynamic offensively in terms of being on the power play, whereas Heiskanen's the guy who he's going to shut you down. He's, he's more the Victor Hedman type, right? Like, he's – when he wants to get his offense, it's going to be him jumping up into the rush and using that phenomenal skating ability. Whereas with Klingberg, it's more of that half-court type offense, if, if you can picture what I'm saying. Yeah, I totally get that. Like, Haskinen's the one that's going to win the con Smythe if the team wins the cup, but he might not be the leading scorer on the team. By the way, uh, another mid-game update. Uh, Dallas has scored a power play goal. Uh, with uh, Klingberg on the ice. He didn't get a point, but he was the defenseman on the power play. Gurionov from Pavelski and Hintz. So all the more... Re- if, if Hintz and Gurionov or Pavelski, right? If any of these guys are available, uh, you're jumping on them right now and seeing how far they can take this thing. Maybe also the older players like Pavelski and Radulov who are healthy. I guess I would have also thrown Ben in there. Like maybe this long rest. It's good. Like the older the player is, it seems like the more rest they need. And maybe they've had... Been able to, you know, all these bumps and bruises they've accumulated over their careers, like more time to kind of heal that up and be fresh for the season. Um, another like deep cut I'll say is Yoel Kiviranta was on the line with Pavelski and Radulov and actually had a goal and an assist in that game I think a lot of people thought Kiviranta was just like a fun story from the playoffs and wouldn't be a thing but he did well in that first game then he got injured though unfortunately he's on the IR 
but I think that's an opportunity in your fantasy league to grab him and stash him in your IR, and then you have dibs when he comes back. So I would take a look and grab him, especially like, he's good for hits. So if he's available in your bangers league right now, just grab him for free, stash him in your IR, and then uh, figure it out later if he's worth holding. Uh, so, okay, let's end the show with a couple quick goalie takes. Uh, Cam Talbot got injured in Friday's game versus the Sharks for the Wild. He's had a great start to the season, 925 save percentage in his first four games. So hopefully he's okay. Um, I haven't seen any updates today. I might have missed something. But yeah, check Roto World for the latest update on Cam Talbot. In the meantime, Kapo Kakinen has also looked great, right? In his two appearances, he led in only two goals on 41 shots for a 951 save percentage. Uh, Minnesota is playing San Jose today. Uh, so we'll see how that goes. Uh, right now, it's one nothing Minnesota for what it's worth. Kakinen's made 10 saves on 10 shots. Uh, so I feel like like grab Kakinen, right? If you need a goalie while Talbot is hurt, why not grab Kakinen? He could just keep up doing, if he just keep doing what Talbot was doing, it's a great spot. Like Minnesota's always been known for being a team that protected their goalie really well, which made it all the more frustrating that Devin Dubnik still couldn't perform well, even on a good defensive team. Uh, but it seems like Kakinen and Talbot are much better than Devin Dubnik at this point. And I'd be all over Kapo Kakinen if I could find him in my league, at least for a short-term ad and potentially long-term. Maybe he can still start once Talbot is healthy. I mean, you're setting a low bar being better than Devin Dubnik. This is like, <laughs> yeah, for sure. <laughs> you can, you can walk over that, but um, if, if frankly, you can skate over it. Um, yeah. I, I'm interested in Kakinen until their schedule turns towards four straight games against the Colorado avalanche. And then maybe I'm not right. so interested, right? Like you, I, I, I eyed Cam Talbot to start the season for the eight games that they've got against the California teams to open things up. And then after that, it's that four game stretch against the Avs. So I think you, it's it's a situational play with these guys. And so you you can get a little bit of runway out of Kakinen, and then maybe maybe you keep them on the roster as a, as a spot start, or you move on to something else. Yeah. So with goalies this year, it's going to be like super unpredictable. So Kakinen is someone at least for now grab him and then see what happens with Talbot and also once Minnesota plays Colorado for four games you're right that maybe those might be games where you don't necessarily want the Minnesota goalie another guy this would be a little bit deeper but obviously intriguing right now is Kevin Lankinen on Chicago who has played three straight games now like we went into the year with a three-headed monster Subban Delia Lankinen and like there was really no way to know who was going to be the guy who would end up as the starter if anyone and we actually had a guy on our show William Nadeau who knows his stuff when it comes to goalies and he called it he said he thinks Lankinen is going to be the guy at some point and it hasn't taken long and now we've got two straight wins for Lankin and fair enough they've both been against the Detroit Red Wings and it might be tougher when he goes against uh different teams but at this point we've got a starting goalie right and Kevin Lankin he's a free agent in most fantasy leagues so if you need a starting goalie grab Kevin Lankinen. There's obviously a risk that he's going to blow you up because he's on the Chicago Blackhawks, but he's looked good so far in his three games. I'm very interested to see what he can do the rest of the way and see if he can, you know, stave off Subban and Delia, which shouldn't be too difficult to do, but also to see if he can actually put up decent numbers when he plays tough teams behind this Chicago Blackhawks defense. Yeah, I mean, Lankinen, he's legit, but we're like, what are we talking about here? This is like, Chicago's terrible. Yeah. We're talking about the prettiest pig at the market. Like, it's just... <laughs> You you slap all the lipstick on you want on Lankinen. Like it's not I don't know. I'm not I'm not going there. Yeah, I mean like some leagues uh, are scored differently, right? So if it's mainly about wins, I don't know if Lankinen is your guy, but if it's about saves or like I'm in one league with even strength save percentage as a category, and he's actually been really good in that. A lot of the goals he's let in have been shorthanded. So uh, in some in some formats, Lankinen is definitely worth a look. And of course, we do have to mention Pew Suter, who had a hat trick today from his plum spot on the top line with DeBrinket and Patrick Kane. 
uh, like I, I was already planning on bringing him up before like you, you have, I have evidence, right? Like you, I shared my doc with you last night, Steve and, and Suter was on there just to say that like, okay, this guy's on the top line. You probably want to stream him in now. Probably he's going to see a big surge in Yahoo and then maybe get dropped by a bunch of people the next game if he doesn't get another goal. But either way, like if you're in a deep enough league, uh, you want, you want the guy playing with Kane and to bring it. Like those are two guys who are going to figure out a way to get points, even on the Chicago team. And so you'd think Pew Suter is going to get at least some assists and now potentially even some goals he, he's shown us a bit of a flair this is a guy who's not a nobody like he was the mvp of his swiss league last year and now he comes in and uh, just had a big game so go grab him you know we cleared out the fridge and now he's another guy you want to definitely throw in there if he's available yeah i think you're just going to be chasing your tail with him and dylan strome all season like because they're going to be throwing that top line deployment around all year and strome's getting the top power play unit so it, it I, I would lean towards just hanging on to Strom or just avoiding the situation altogether. That's fair. To be honest, uh, I might disagree with you there. I might go Suter over Strom, but uh, it depends on the deployment for sure. I could see Suter bumping Strom potentially from the top power play, but this is all just speculation. Uh, finally, Washington. So Samsonov is one of the players who is away with this uh, COVID protocol breach. Uh, so he'll be back next Saturday. I believe. In the meantime, he hasn't had a great start to the year, right? Only an 868 save percentage in his two games versus Buffalo and Pittsburgh. Now he's missing time. Vitek Vanacek, meanwhile, has been pretty good. Like, well, he's been okay. <laughs> I guess he had a one good game against Buffalo a couple days into the season. I don't know. I actually don't really have much to say here because it doesn't seem like Vanacek is amazing. He took the loss today versus Buffalo, but it also might not be the case that Samsonov is amazing. So I don't know. I think a lot of people are grabbing Vanacek right now. And I'm curious to know, maybe like, my hot take would be while everyone else is grabbing Vanacek, I'm grabbing Kakanen or maybe even Lankanen. Okay. I'm going to ask you a mildly personal question. Please. When, Open book. when we could go to work, how did you commute to work? I would walk. You would walk. Okay. So this, this is not going to land. A lot of people drive to work. I've heard and, this. And then what happens when their car is in the shop? They they usually they ride the bus or maybe they ride their bike or they walk. But what happens when the car comes back from the shop? Do they do they stick with the with the biking program or the <laughs> the, the rental car that they picked up? No, they, they go back to their regular car. So um Vanacek is your is your alternate commuter and, and Samsonov is, is your regular commuter. That's fair. Yeah, maybe the big takeaway is just not overreact to Samsonov having a couple bad games and missing time. I wouldn't be surprised if his percentage owned in a lot of league like has gone down just because people are frustrated. But uh, that's just an opportunity for you savvy fantasy players to grab Samsonov because you're right, he's going to be the starting goalie there. Uh, you know, like they had a plan that, that maybe Lundqvist would get some games, but now with him out of the picture, it should be Samsonov's net. I'd love to see Craig Anderson get a game in before uh, Samsonov comes back. That would be fun. Uh, okay, and then I have to end the show with your favorite team the Edmonton Oilers uh, so they're playing today and we saw some new line combinations which makes sense because things haven't been going that well it looks like finally Zach Cassian is taking a turn off of the top line we'll see how long that lasts and in the meantime I've got a tweet here from Jack Michaels saying uh, in today's practice McDavid was playing with Nugent Hopkins and Yessi Puliarvi. so we're gonna get a shot of seeing what Puliarvi can do on that top line I know a lot of people are very excited about it. Some people drafted Puliyarvi and have been holding on just waiting for this moment. Do you think this is going to be like 
as exciting as what these people are hoping for. Uh, like, obviously, you can't predict, but as an Oilers fan yourself, do you think this is the right move for them? And do you think Puliarvi has some staying power and could potentially do something and finally become fantasy relevant after, like, five years of people being excited about him and him not doing anything? I mean, it's worth a shot. I'm not a huge Puliarvi guy. I think that he is an NHL talent. He's certainly physically talented, and it seems like his time overseas has... He's grown in, in that time and he's a more effective player. And frankly, like when they were, when he was not a very effective player, he was still putting up almost three points an hour when he got time with McDavid. So this could be an explosive time, but I think that like, it's just, it's always going to be a revolving door because they don't actually have the full on solution. And Blee Harvey, he, he could be an excellent stream and he could go off for a little bit. Like McDavid's been producing chances like crazy, both at five on five and on the power play. And they're just not going in to the same degree that we'd be, we would expect. And whether that's the, the weird chips in the pucks and everything's not bouncing right for them, or just the randomness of uh, that a five game sample can be, it is what it is. Um, I don't think Pugliarvi is going to be on that top line for the full season. It's, I think it's going to be a revolving door. I think we're going to see every single mediocre scrub that the Oilers have to offer take a turn on that line because that's what happens because they don't actually have another first line player to play with McDavid and that's that's just going to be the reality of it it was interesting to see before James Neal came back Puliyarvi got like a flash of power play time with the top unit and he ended up having a shot go off his foot and bounce directly to dry sidle and they actually scored a power play goal so he got a power play point out of it I don't think he's the answer to the the net front guy on the top power play unit. I'm thinking James Neal probably is that guy. They went back and forth between him and Chiasan, depending on who was hot all of last season. And he'll probably continue to do that this season. What do fantasy owners do with this? Stream RV, don't commit to him, and mm. be ready to be frustrated because that's where I am. Okay, yeah. So worth a shot, but you're not uh, losing your mind over this opportunity because he can get bumped by Josh Archibald. Oh, no, I'm losing my mind. (laughs) Okay, I guess you got to. Uh, I'll tell you, I'm a Koskinen manager in a couple of my leagues, and it hasn't been that fun yet. (laughs) I don't know what I was thinking, but uh, at least he's playing every game. That's useful in fantasy. Yeah, that's, that's not what you want from Koskinen. Koskinen is very much the 1A. You want him starting 60% and no more than 60%. If he starts more than three games in a row, like his game just starts eroding. He is like, he is so tall. So that like, like there's, I, I think that there's an upper limit on how tall you can be and be effective <laughs> as a goalie, unless you're like pure torso, but clearly he's got very long legs. So he's got all these like holes that will randomly open up. And like the more games he plays in a row, the more like out of, out of sync he gets and the more these holes just start opening up and you're like how did that that go in like it's it just like he just completely goes off the rails the more he plays and it's just you got to keep him tight and compact and 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 not overextended and that's not the type of goaltending situation that they set up like mike smith is i i can't even understand why they went there again and I guess they tried to get Markstrom and that would have been friggin' awesome because that guy has looked like a solution for Calgary. But um, yeah, it's, uh, 
I don't know. I think that whenever they have a second goalie to play, I think Koskinen's going to be reasonable because the Oilers' power play is going to start clicking eventually. They're going to score some goals. It's going to be some wins for Koskinen. But for God's sakes, don't play him seven games in a row. Yeah, I mean, last year he was actually pretty decent when he was pretty much splitting time with Mike Smith. Mike Smith wasn't so great. Who's even the backup now? Is it Stuart Skinner? Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> okay. I wonder if we'll see him in a game at some point. But okay, Steve, this has been so fun. I could just chat with you about hockey all night. You asked me how long this would be. I said 90 minutes and now it's been a bit longer. So I do apologize. But I so appreciate you coming on and sharing all of your knowledge. You're such a great pinch hitter. You step in and it's as if we've been podcasting forever. Love having you on the show. Uh, if people want to hear more from you, they're in luck because you have your own podcast and you're releasing great episodes all the time with really cool interviews. So why don't you tell people where they can find your awesome podcast? Yeah, hopefully on every podcatcher that is out there, the Steve Laidlaw podcast is available. And I'm also found on DauberHockey.com with that podcast. There's a, we, we've got a little bit of a, uh, a podcasting network starting to develop over at uh, over at Dauber Hockey. But uh, you guys are proudly the first here. So uh, I want to thank you for having me on, Elon. And and shouts to you for for walking to work. That's, a, that's an excellent way to commute. Well, you know, I thought I was making a smart life decision because I moved to downtown Toronto. So I've got like a 20-minute walk to get to work. And it's really great. And also downtown is a lot of fun until COVID happens. And now it's like I'm stuck in my small apartment that's overpriced. And anytime I go outside, there's like a million people everywhere. So I have to be always afraid that I'm going to run into someone with COVID. So uh, it, it, it was really good until around a year ago. And then it's kind of fallen off my life decision. But hopefully in the future, it'll get back to where it was at one point. Well, I, I, I'm sorry for bringing it up. <laughs> I mean, whatever. I can't complain. Uh, I, I'm a very lucky guy because I get to talk to cool people like you about freaking fantasy hockey. And so good luck to everyone in, I guess, only week two. If you're playing on Yahoo, it's been a very long week one. So it'll be fun whether you won or lost to actually go and play in a different week. Get all your acquisitions back for the week. Uh, if you are trying to figure out who to add, like I hopefully we've thrown a lot of names at you. You can also check out the Stream Scheme podcast hosted by Dave Benton that we just dropped. Uh, and I'll link to that in our show notes. He does a really good job of... Uh, just looking at the schedule for the following week and telling you who you can add that might give you those extra games that will put you over the edge. Uh, but yeah, so Steve, this is awesome. What else should I say? Uh, follow us on Twitter at Keeping Carlson. Follow Steve at Steve Laidlaw. Uh, we've got a Patreon program. We'd love for you to check it out. KeepingCarlson.com slash patrons. It's all linked in the show notes. So why don't I cue that outro music? I'll read the outro credits, which is mainly just thanks a lot to Steve for his awesome brain and for Dobber Hockey for all of the stats that I used and I guess Roto World a little bit and of course Yahoo. Uh, thanks again, everyone, for listening. Listening. And until next time, remember that fantasy hockey is for everyone.